and welcome to a brand new, long-awaited, finally getting it out, episode of Vodka Clock Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Love, from AmberUnmasked.com. The show and my work is supported by the fine people who back me at Patreon.com slash AmberUnmasked. Um, where I tell weekly ridiculous stories about my cats and their detective agency and the um, critters, cryptids, monsters, and wildlife of all kinds who um, have interesting uh, lives like the chipmunk mafia and the uh, shape-shifting bears and the Jersey Devil hybrids called the Devil Deer. So... um, Anyway, we are finally back and rolling, and I'm so happy that my first guest for the year, and it's been such a long time, I checked my notes, and oh my god, George O'Connor is finally back. Hi. <laughs> Hi. This is insane. I, I checked, uh, and I'm like, this just cannot be right, because I feel like we talk a lot, but I guess I guess in the world of recording, <laughs> it yeah. doesn't, doesn't happen. Yeah, but I mean, between um, newsletters and Twitter and all yeah. that stuff, you feel like there's, there's, yeah, like there, as much time hasn't gone by as yeah. you think. Yeah, and your newsletters are such a delight. They are oh, so you. great. I love when I when I get them in. So tell people how they can subscribe to that. Sure. Um, it's called figuring it out on the fly. Um, and you can, I mean, probably the quickest way to find it is if you go either to my website, which is homelesscomics.com. So homelesscomics, all one word.com. There's a link there to join. Uh, also, if you go to Twitter, uh, I am backslash lazy horde, L A Z Y H O R D E. And if you look in my bio, it's the link there to go to it. Okay. Great. Um, cause there's always, um, Henry pictures, right? Yes. If there's yes, not, he is, then he, he gets grief. He is. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get, yes. Um, the Mrs. Tracy, uh, if, if, you know, there isn't enough Henry in the newsletter, uh, I will, I will get that note back from production. Um, but yeah, <laughs> hen dog, the hen dog is, uh, at the other end of the couch getting his mid morning nap in. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. Gus Gus is currently in the tavern, I call it, that I that I built for him. I I built this elaborate box fort for the cats and the the bottom floor is the office space of the detective agency and the top floor is the tavern space. And um Gus is I made him a big uh, award that Aww. just barely fits in it. He has a big award for catching the inside mice. Oh, and then the the uh, top level, he has he has like a you know, um, like kind of like a penthouse, but it's more like a rooftop garden uh, experience <laughs> on the the very top. Um, and then I I made a koi pond out of resin, and that's next to it. So Oliver likes to sit next to that, next to his fake koi pond, watching the fake fish. That don't move. <laughs> I need pictures of this. That sounds yeah. amazing. He's living yeah. the dream. Yeah, it's you know, and I get a, I get so upset if they don't use it. I'm like, you guys haven't been inside your box in a while. <laughs> I put a lot of time into your box. I did. And oh, my back, my back hurt so much <laughs> from 
from painting this damn thing. They're awesome. It, it, I love your guest stories. Oh, thank you. Thank They're you. The best. As I keep thinking about it, like, you know, when we do talk, I keep forgetting, like, I know you're in New Jersey, but I, it always, it's a mind shift to like, right, but you might as well be in like the Amazon. Like yeah. you are like, you're in the woods and you don't yeah. think New Jersey has that type of place. But, and uh, yeah. And, and it's funny because I mean, I'm, there are still farms all around me, but it's mm-hmm. become so busy that, oh yeah, um, that the, the the noise pollution traffic wise because it's just it's just so many more people live out here now and so the traffic of cars and trucks and people and i'm sure this is everywhere uh there's a certain type of person who likes to have the loudest machine on the block and um we don't have blocks so they decide to make (laughs) the loudest machine in the county and they go up and down this main road here and it's just so loud but um my friend who's a, a writer tom pluck he also has a wonderful newsletter thing going on Substack now. He just moved to the Pine Barrens and talk about middle of nowhere. I mean, it, it's got the word it, barren in it. So I mean, barrens, yeah, yeah seriously, <laughs> it looks. I mean, it looks beautiful yet creepy. It looks ah. like the type of place. This is why people buried bodies there. Um, this is that was supposedly the thing that the mafia of Jersey and New York would mm-hmm. bring their bodies down to the Pine Barrens because nobody would ever, ever, ever find a thing there. Right. And and there's some incredible history. So I'm learning things about my state all from Tom's writing. It's so incredible. Um, whereas the stuff that I write, we could write about the exact same subject, but mine is so fantastical. <laughs> It's like there's some truth in it. Like, yeah, we have bears. Right. But um, but you know, my bears are also like, you know, happy and <laughs> and can shape shift and um, you know. So so it's interesting that yeah, this is this is still all Jersey. Um, but I I appreciate that anybody reads anything I write. So thank you. <laughs> of course. Of course. Casseroles. Oh, thanks. <laughs> He's uh, so spoiled. Um, As well he should be. Yeah. Yeah. And they deserve, they're they, good boys. They, they deserve the best. They, they deserve do. The best. What, is, what is Henry's favorite thing to do? Play ball. Um, oh. Play catch. He would do that from the minute he wakes up to the minute he finally collapses and goes to bed. Um, he will play. He is, he is a fetch champ. He's a Britney Spaniel. Um, born to run, born to sprint, um, and that yeah, that's that's all he would love to do. Um, so we kind of like we we have a timeshare dog. Um, at this point, five five years ago, Henry turned five last month. Um, my mom wanted a dog, uh, but she spends half her time in Florida, half her time up in Massachusetts. And she had done the carting a dog back and forth and she's older now. And she just like, she just didn't have it in her to do all of the carting that it takes. Um, So she was like, what would you think about basically during the spring and summer when she's up here, Henry is with her. And during the fall and winter, Henry is up here with us. Um, And they have a much bigger backyard um, where he can, 
like full out like get low and sprint and that the kind of like snake thing that that sprinting animals can do um so it's and that's all he wants to do and it's a it's really fun to watch him run and just be happy running and chasing he is an excellent ball catcher he is an excellent ball flipper backer um he he when he jumps it's like he hangs in the air for a second um he's got mad you know mad hops um so yeah that's that's you know the the best we can do especially in the winter is we can do living room catch uh which is i just throw it like high enough that he has to jump so he can get yeah. some extra jumping in he makes it more parkour by going off the couch off the ottoman back to you sprinting back you know rinse and repeat um and the other thing that like i really truly love about him and his personality is if there are multiple people around he will make sure everybody gets a chance to play um I, it's adorable um you know before all of this uh when tracy would go pick up logan from his school we're we're lucky we're a five minute walk away from the school so she would bring henry to pick him up and the routine was the kids would come out of school tracy would have a ball and like eight 12 kids would kind of like make a <laughs> ring around henry yeah henry's on the leash so he can't run but everybody everybody would throw the ball up and watch him jump and leap and do his tricks and he would go around to each person each kid and make sure everybody had a chance to play and then the funny thing is like if somebody didn't take it seriously enough like he was either a bad throw or they teased him he would then skip that person and keep going around the ring so yeah this is this is a smart dog this is this is a smart dog yeah, spaniels are generally uh, very intelligent. Yeah, yeah. he's great. Yeah. Though. Now, he's... Has Henry appeared in any of your work? Um... No, not mine. Um, but uh, there is a writer and artist. Her name is Clara Meath. Um, she, uh, I, lo- I love her work. Uh, I think she's fantastic. Um, she recently ran a Kickstarter um, and part of her story is kind of like animals escaping from the lab and taking out Nazis along the way. So, you know, she's doing the Lord's work. Um, yes. And one of the rewards was have your animal drawn into the book, you know, in oh, this cool. jailbreak scene. And I'm like, Oh, Henry, you know, Oh, I'm doing that, that thing. Uh, because the funny thing with Clara is um, at this point, once, once we get that book, uh, everyone in this house will have art from Clara Meath. Um, on one of her Kickstarters, she was, um, you know, she put the her cover art up as one of them, uh, and ridiculously underpriced it. Um, so I was like, yeah, I will, I will take that. Um, Tracy is a huge Blade Runner fan, and at one point, Clara had done this Blade Runner print that was just beautiful. Um, so Tracy got that um logan our son loves baby yoda loves grogu she did a she had done a print a super cute print of grogu i'm like well we're getting that you know and now henry gets gets a little bit of clara meath art as well that's awesome gus has uh his own room that he shares with uh, (laughs) his cat dad um 
it's the workout room slash Gus room. And it's a full <laughs> art gallery of uh, Gus work, Gus artwork. Um, and uh, not just Gus, but like um, Sean Mandrake, who does an incredible comic that uh, she also supports uh, through Patreon mm-hmm. about vampires. Um, she has a very creepy art style and she has a very creepy brain. You can tell, like, <laughs> I mean, I just read, um, an unlettered scene of hers where a guy gets a bottle jammed in his eye socket and then the eye is floating in the beer bottle or something. It's just, it's ridiculous, but she also loves cryptids and monsters. So I have a couple of her pieces of like the Jersey devil and vampires and stuff. That's awesome. Um, so Gus, yeah. So Gus's room has a nice art gallery. Oh, it's cool. It's that is, so you're doing the comics now for like 10 or 12 years. Like one of the things my minor regret is like our house. I mean, it's, it's comfortable, but it's kind of, small we're fine you know we've goldfished it it fits everything we need but the walls are pretty much full um and yeah, yeah. Kind of I, like, I have like no space left right and you know as as i've gotten older and kind of realized like you know what i want more art like it's you know to put up there you know artists that i appreciate or art from my own books um and it's this thing is like i would love to have more art but it flat i don't know where to put it at this point you know like we you're looking at walls of like well i mean does the family really need to be up on the wall because like this is a great (laughs) page from this book uh yeah yeah yeah. i actually did a swap out um a few years ago where i took some things down out of the frames and pulled stuff because I've got different sizes of those big black portfolio books. Yeah. And so I, um, so I put up some, uh, you know, other pieces just to rotate the the art in my, it was my sewing room. I've lost that, but it's still got my, still got my art collection up. Um, And uh, yeah. And the bedroom is just, uh, weirdly built where I don't really have wall space. So there's very little art here in the bedroom. Um, but at least there's other rooms that have nice galleries. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. Tracy, uh, again, huge, like, well, when she collected movie posters and she had a ton that were already framed, like they're really nicely framed. Um, um, are those, those giant ones? Those yeah. Yeah. Um, that was, so she was, her family was, um, like antique people and they all had kind of had their own isms and Tracy's was movie posters. So she would go into, you know, these estate sales who would just have boxes just full and would just buy lots and then figure out what she had before. So like I'm sitting right next to, you know, a, a blade runner, you know, speaking of blade runner, like you know, one that actually hung in the movie theater. Um, She's got upstairs in our hallway, she's got three out of the four Beatles movies up there. And again, these were the the actual in the movie theater posters. Um, So, you know, she had that um, also huge Harry Potter fan, like ridiculous. So, you know, you walk through the house and it's like this combination of, movie posters and harry potter stuff um and then you know 
15 10 years later i got into you know all the comics and all that stuff so it's like there the room was already gone and in in our basement which is kind of like you know it's a half finished it's all like concrete and stucco so that stuff you really can't put anything can't in there because it. then it just yeah. starts chipping stuff away yeah yeah so so yeah but yeah that's that's one of the things i'm looking forward to like you know at some point at some point there'll be a new house on the horizon and kind of like you know more wall to just hang the stuff that that you know either i'm personally proud of or that's just flat out inspiring yeah if you know those annoying shows on like bravo and stuff where they do makeovers yeah if if those people came in not only like i could i would i would punch the wardrobe people if they tried to <laughs> do a makeover of me because it'd just be like i am here to be comfortable get the hell off <laughs> um but like you know decor wise it's you know it's like more important to me to have stuff that i love around yeah. than for it to look like a museum right you know like this is never going to be in a magazine <laughs> <laughs> did you I, I there was some uh who was it I think I want to say Ashley Tisdale I don't know but there was there was some celebrity who just got like shit upon because um she was doing some kind of filming in her house as mm -hmm. we've all been doing during the COVID years um and her bookcase was very bare and this was the, you know, if you think about it, during this time, Marie Kondo came out and said you shouldn't have more than like 30 books. Ha. Huh. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, so this this woman had only like 26 books, she said. So she uh -huh. quickly sent her husband to a bookstore to buy 400 books of anything. And just to fill up her bookcases and take down whatever was there because wow. – that's what you know like the the backdrop needed to be and uh, aside from the fact that there's problems with that like oh she should just be around the stuff she wants to be around mm -hmm. um it's 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 phony and yeah. have there are a, a big big huge thing that happened as everybody started doing um you know televising from home yeah is backdrops mm -hmm. people have fake backdrops uh you know of like fake bookcases and they look real until you see a wrinkle <laughs> you know? yeah but like it, for a while it seemed like everybody had the exact same bookcase and that's why and it's because they were all buying this one drapery thing of white shelves and fake books and, and it's just <laughs> You know, I mean, I've got a spine next to me hanging from a hook, and I don't want somebody to take that down. And you know, no, it, that that is a very important spine. I mean, I'm not a predator, but I would be. <laughs> well, that kind of sounds like what somebody would say if they were a predator, but didn't want anyone to know. It, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> although I'm vegetarian, so I think the predators eat stuff eat i guess i don't know they do collect all the bones though they do there's definitely that that part of it yeah <laughs> but uh, yeah i've got more yeah. in, in the yard right now in fact and ah, working that's on that's all. because again you're in the middle of nowhere and can get away with this 
Yeah, exactly. That it's would be beautiful. really funny if I, if I was in like a, a, a <laughs> suburb area, um, like the Burbs. Oh my God, the Burbs, one of the greatest movies ever. Yeah, I I know it's a generational thing, but the Burbs being on a cul-de-sac and creepy neighbors move in and you're spying on them all the time, and then you find a bone in the yard. <laughs> um, it's yeah, it would be just like that. Yeah, um, it, but kind of to your point, like. Yeah, I want to be inspired, you know? I want to look at stuff and, and I mean, one, have it mean something. Um, but then, you know, also, like like I said, just to get, get I don't know, the emotions going, the, the creativity going, um, or or just, you know, that, that maybe just that little bit of fuel to get moving on a project or, you know, something over the edge. Yeah. yeah, I just I decorate like who's also like not a whole lot of people are over here. Like, you know, again, I have a 12 year old, you know, who's over here? Other 12 year olds. <laughs> you know who I shouldn't be trying to impress with what's on my wall? 12 year olds. <laughs> yeah. But they might love it. Do they think that you guys are the coolest because you have all the nerd stuff? And- um, I don't I don't know officially, but. Um, I was, you know, I, Logan told me the other day that there was a conversation. I don't remember how it brought up, but the fact that I play music was brought up and, you know, the other kids were like, your dad, your dad's in a band. And Logan's like, yeah. yeah. And so I get a text a in the metal middle of, band. Right. And I get a text in the middle of the day, you know, when I'm like, shouldn't you be working? Um, he's like, what's the name of your band? What's the website? <laughs> Oh, you know, um, because he wanted to show he wanted to show you know his other twelve year old friends the music. Uh, I'm like, look, they're probably gonna hate it, but here you go. Um, and you know the fact that I'm a writer and write comics and stuff like that. Um, you know, kind of got the he writes comics vibe. Um, and then right now, uh, Tracy is basically sporting a mohawk. Um, this long kind of like long mohawk um and so you know so someone said and your mom's the one with the cool mohawk right and he's like (laughs) yeah my mom's cool yeah my dad's cool uh which is which is sweet you know um it's i i will fully admit like going into whole the parenthood thing i i honestly didn't think i would be like like truly like like him and now maybe that is because, you know, speaking of generations, you know, I, the, this thing I heard from my dad is like, you always love your kids. You don't always like them. And I didn't take that as a negative. I understood that, you know, yeah. I was like, no, 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 I get it. I get it. You know, you put enough people in one house and, you know, you're not always going to like everybody. But I can honestly say, like, I really like him. Like, he's a he's a good hang. He's funny, he is smart, he's quick, all of that too much for his own good. You know, it's funny, it's like I'm trying to teach him, like, okay, I don't need to teach him, like, how to be funny, I need to teach him, okay, this is when you stop. Like, like you've got the joke, you hit the joke, the joke was a home run, now walk away. Yeah. Uh, but no, he's, he's very, very lucky with him. He's just a good, he's, like I said, he's a good, good. he's a good, smart, creative kid. 
Um, and Tracy and I are just kind of watching them like the minute he actually finds his thing and gets passionate about his thing, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Right now, there's still a lot of um, just kind of doing stuff. He's not a sports kid. Um, if he would just admit he was like a, a performer. Um, the other day, we're playing Uno. In the middle of playing Uno, he goes on a 15-minute improvised song about this Lego bunny that he built. <laughs> and like I, I know enough to just shut up and just see where this goes. And it was 15 minutes. And it was and it legit cracked me up a bunch of times. And he is changing up beats, he's changing up cadence and notes and this whole thing. And I'm just like, you have all the freaking building blocks. They're yes. all right there. <laughs> you know. If he the day he realizes, oh, I guess I am a drummer, that'll be like my heart will just explode with joy. Because that was the point. It's like, all right, if I'm going to have a kid, like I didn't want you know, and I'm going to play. I love I I do love baseball. So I did have the cliche dad of like, you know, I'll have a catch with my son, you know, that type of thing. Um, but I didn't need him to like do like pick up. I didn't need him to be the sports star I never was or anything like that. Um, but I will admit, I was like, I would really like a drummer in the house to play with. Um, uh-huh. And and. We had him take lessons, and I'm not saying he would have been like a YouTube sensation, but I've been a a musician long enough that I could hear him and go, oh, it's there. He has a natural sense of rhythm and timing, and if he were to practice, blah, blah, blah. But it just just wasn't for him. Um, And really, I think it comes down to he didn't want to practice. You know, shock of shocks, a 12-year-old boy doesn't want to do doesn't want to practice doesn't want to do you know work uh basically um so yeah it's just a whole so no like revised van halen experience (laughs) no no but you know what what is super cute is like anytime i need help moving stuff like he's like so i basically i birthed my own roadie okay to to carry stuff which is great until you realize like you know and again it's super sweet when they're like smaller and they're like seven and like i'm gonna help dad i'm like you can barely carry any of this here go yes, go here, carry this hold the microphone he... right exactly <laughs> but yeah that's so what so what i try and do is just make everything available and open to him like you know again our basement is my you know kind of like home recording studio they're a dozen guitars around there. There's an electronic drum kit. Um, anytime, you know, band members or whoever comes over to record, he knows, like, you know, unless it's a live microphone, you know, you are more than welcome to hang out and watch and ask any questions. Um, there's one point I was edit. I, yeah, I was editing something. He's like, what are you doing? I like, you know, I'm, I'm editing this audio book. He's like, and he just took a seat, literally took a seat on my lap. And I just showed him everything that I was doing and why I was doing it. And this whole idea of just like, I'm going to plant as many seeds as possible. Um, and, you know, if one takes, that's awesome. But, you know, I'm just going to show him that all this stuff is there. We're recording. Uh, the band is recording 
in mid-May. We're going to we're recording drums in an in a real studio um, that I'm super excited for. And I told him like, if you want to come, you know, hang out in the studio when we're recording drums, you know, and see what that's all like. I have no idea if he'll have any interest. Um, but again, just throwing out like I said, just planting seeds, planting seeds as he figures out who he is and what he wants to do. Yeah, that's awesome. That's supportive. And like you said, it's a, it's more like an open invitation. Um, it's not like dad's got a bunch of, you know, uh, pimps and hoes or whatever <laughs> goes on in studios. No, My, my vision of a recording studio. <laughs> no. And the hysterical thing is like, you know, we're all gentlemen of a certain age. Yeah. So like, we just don't have the time or the energy for any of all that. Like this is Herpes. Oh, like yeah, you know, um it's the the joke is like, you know, the, now at this point the only drug we're taking after a show is Advil. <laughs> you know? Cuz you know, all oh, my neck, my back, my this, my that. Um, you know, cuz one of the things I'm proud of is like, you know, yes, we we are almost always the oldest band at the gig. Um, but what I'm very proud of is not only are do I feel like we are very good at what we do, uh, we will energetically blow anybody off the stage. Like nice. very rarely have we played a show where I felt like somebody else put more energy out than we did. Um, that has been my philosophy when I started playing gigs at 18 and 30 years later, it is still my philosophy um you know it's to to put the energy out there and also it's one of the things that i enjoy and i think is why i still enjoy playing heavy metal is there is the sweat the the energy you know a bit of the uh athleticism that goes into not only playing the music but presenting the music um it's just it's you know, I, I the other guys will complain about, oh, it was really hot on that stage, and I'll be like, yeah, it was really hot on that stage. You know, I want it. I want. I want. I want the sweat. I want to feel and like. Yeah. What's remarkable is is that the the folks older than us that like we listened to in our informative years uh, were they're still on tour. Yeah. Like even though certain members are dying and. Uh, you know it's like yeah. and that's irreplaceable but um but uh, is it your feed i don't know somebody on instagram is always at a concert and um <laughs> uh, it's like judas priest is still playing yep like are you kidding me yeah um it's absolutely bananas yeah, and the, they the... just uh, i don't know do they i guess people just don't need to retire all the times or sometimes they're forced to retire like poor britney spears I, i'm not mm. a fan of hers or anything but she she and kesha can't make any music because somebody else will take their money yeah you know it's like this is absurd they're in their prime yeah it it is a bummer the more you know all of these especially these art art industries the more you learn the more you're like god it's a mess it's yeah. just it's it, yeah, yeah it's, it's almost a bit like, you know what, fine, I'll stay DIY. At least yes. I don't have, you know, at least, you know, I'm the only one who can take advantage of me. 
and I'm the only and, one who can screw me over. Who can screw up your, yeah, exactly. What you're taking in, what the band's making and, and investing in. And yeah. I think that's a brilliant thing because we have that in comics and um, also in publishing because now there's, we're down to like five Witches. major publishers because yeah. uh, because they all keep swallowing each other up like conglomerates yeah. of telecommunications companies um so it's harder and harder to break into those big labels anyway yeah but you know with um when you look back at the history of comics and their documentaries that that explain this um and i just watched one what was it um, not too long ago, it was, um, but it was all about Bill Finger. Mm, mm-hmm. And, you know, he essentially was the real maker of Batman. Yeah. And uh, Bob Kane in- invented the Batman, um, but did very little <laughs> of, of actually forming the character. And building the story and everything. And, you know, when the person who actually does all the work dies in a pauper's grave, yeah, penniless, like literally so poor that you just can't fathom. And it's not like that person had all the celebrity and gambled it away or something or spent it all, whatever. No, I mean... it was a creator who simply was not given a fair share. Yeah. And, uh, and, it, and, and that's like you said, when you're in control, then you, you control that. You make sure your people are paid when you do the yeah. Kickstarters and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. I, I, I pay them before the Kickstarter, you know? Um, and again, it's, it's a bit of, well, I mean, I am, I am lucky. I do have a nine to five gig mm-hmm. um, that, you know, is able to pay for everything. Um, and, you know, like I always say, like, you know, my dad, when I was growing up, he played golf. And so that's where his extra time and money went to. It went to golf. Uh, I don't play golf. Uh, I make things. So my extra time and money goes into making things. And I'm very lucky that, you know, with Tracy, I've got a partner who understood that when we before we started dating who understood that as we were dating and understood that through you know 20 years of marriage um so that's never been an issue i mean more than anything she's like encouraged me to find ways to to make stuff you know um or present ways of no 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 it can work if we do xyz um so, you know, I not so not only do artists like deserve to be paid, um, I don't want them to be dependent on whether or not a Kickstarter works or a Kickstarter overfunds or anything like that. I'll take the risk because I can. Um, and you know, a little bit going back to things like, yeah, you know, most of the time it is me coming to somebody else with the idea. So it's like, look, I made you know, I I brought you into this. I'm not then going to burden you you know, any more <laughs> with risk, you know, like I said, I can take the risk. So we'll do that. And let's get you paid, um, paid on time. Um, and let's hopefully make a thing that makes it easier for them to get the next gig. You know, um, that's, you know, th- whenever I start a project, that's what I 
tell them, it's like, you know, these are the things I want. I want this to be as enjoyable as possible because that's all we can control. We can control the process. Any success after that, it's up to luck. You know, it's hard work and luck, but we can't control what happens after we're done. We can't control the process, that it will be fun, it'll be professional, um, and that it'll be supportive. Um, and then I'm going to pay you on time because you're an artist and you deserve to be paid and you deserve to be paid on time. Uh, and then, you know, I want to enable them to do their best work so their portfolio can grow so that they can get the next gig, whether it's just, you know, the next gig on their art table or the art, the, the, the gig that elevates their profile and their resume and all that. Um, because I'd, I'd like to think that's the better way to do it. You know, that's, that's how you yeah. create a better world and a better working it's, environment. Yeah, I think there's definitely more security. I talked to Erica Schultz about this. She's been mm -hmm. on the show and she's talked about the same thing, how she pays people out of pocket and then the Kickstarter fund just pays her back, essentially. Yeah. Um, and that's a, uh, that's a, a very safe and secure way to do it um i've backed a couple projects like the there was one and it's and it's funny because i just went to finally read the issues that i had um and i know i won't pronounce it correctly so um i'll just uh it's the idols of solicitor by uh, Vera Green Tea, mm -hmm. and she had a couple different artists. Um, and each issue she does for a very affordable Kickstarter price. Um, and but she's you know, but to have to change an artist in the middle of mm. six issues or something, it's I don't know how she does it. Um, and luckily, the styles work well enough but it's yeah. you know I, I opened one of the issues and i was like huh this seems a little a little different and i checked and it was like oh yeah the the artist names changed um so um and then but she was lucky i guess she kept adam wallet as or wallet i don't know how to say it as the letterer mm -hmm. um i think the first artist was i'm i know i'm gonna mispronounce these mayuli and Dotobo. Um, so uh, it's, um, she does a ton, a ton of comics. And mm -hmm. they're, uh, and, you know, I've seen her on panels too, talking about crowdfunding comics. But she's so reliable at this point as like a maker and producer mm -hmm. of them that there's, there's like, you never have to worry about risk when it comes to backing one of her projects. You'll get it. And yet I saw, um, do you know the artist um, Steens? She goes yes. by. Yep. Brilliant. Absolutely. Oh, fantastic work. And she was just tweeting, I think it was mm -hmm. yesterday or at the end of March. She was just tweeting about how she's got this amazing deal for a, a graphic novel. And the problem is to do a whole graphic novel, whether it's, you know, I don't know, 190 pages, 200 pages or something. Yeah. I don't know. They're big. And yet 
in publishing, you get you might get paid like a little advance mm -hmm. and then you don't get paid for like a year. Yeah. Um, because they they do stuff in different kinds of stages that are not effective ways of paying some someone for comics yeah like there's no she's like what am i supposed to do for a whole year without a paycheck <laughs> yeah yeah it's, so it's it's weird so when you do it like you said diy you know you, you might not make as much <laughs> let's face it yeah i mean i've got a friend um i won't i won't say his name because you know but he is he's working at you know a, a company that you know on titles that you know um he also has a deal for a graphic novel um and he he had said like i haven't had a i haven't had a day off in whatever six months nine months something yeah, like that that's the other thing because you know the grind of the monthly schedule um and then you know, trying to get like two pages of his graphic novel done a week, you know, of what'll be, you know, probably like, yeah, like you said, you know, maybe 120, 200 pages. Um, and he's looking like, yeah, and it'll be out in 2024, you know, because not because he's lazy, he's actually working his absolute ass off. That's just when he can get it done. And right. yeah, what, what Steens was talking about was essentially like, hiring somebody like you would anybody else and giving them a paycheck every two weeks you know so they can they so they can have that income that steady income coming in so they can just do that job versus hitting a point where they need money and they have to either take another gig or open up their commissions list or basically anything that slows down making that graphic novel um yeah, and it's it's yeah, it it people who are passionate about making art get screwed. Uh, yeah, art life. art is a very unstable business. Yeah, and um, that's why at least if you have the talent and and technical skills of of art, people say you know you got to go into graphic design to get a, a weekly paycheck. Yeah, um, and then make your passionate projects on the side. Yeah. Um, but like you said, then there's like no day off or, or, or anything. And then COVID hits and everyone's uh. like fucked anyway and you're out of work. Um, it's, it, it was a booming time for creativity, though, in, in a weird way. And I know other people said that early on and kind of got shit on for saying it. But um, at first, when we thought we were only going to be closed off for four weeks, um, yeah. people were like, oh my gosh, this is a gift that I never gave myself. I never gave myself four weeks um, to do something. And, you know, I could, you know, write a book, make paintings. Yeah. I don't know, whatever. Um, <laughs> well, and I, then it oh, became sorry. like three years. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And what, you know, I mean, I'm sure people understood, some people understood this, but what became super clear is like to do good creative work, you actually need stability. You do. You, you need, you need you know. to not stress out that, uh, you know, um, Andy Schmidt said it. He's like, it, it was no longer fun when I had to worry about, you know, making this comic in order to eat. Yeah. You know, like 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, we learned like stability and like, it, it, yeah. Um, and that's, I, and I hit a, I hit a wall. Um, you know, I'm sure like everybody else was like, oh, I'm going to be able to write music and write and blah, blah, blah. Um, and uh, what ended up, the way I kind of pulled myself out of it, um, a friend of mine, her name is Diana. She's a, she's an actress. She works in Boston um, and New York. Um, and she just has all these stories from being on sets. Um, and, and I just keep thinking of like, that could, you could make a movie out of her stories. Um, and what we did is, um, we wrote, we wrote this movie together. Um, and when the way it worked is like, you know, life is what it is, but I knew for two hours a week, I would be taking Logan to karate practice. Uh, and I would just be in my car. So I knew for two hours a week. I would just be completely alone with nothing to do. And so at five to seven pages a clip a week, we wrote this, we wrote this screenplay. Um, and it was great working with somebody else to bounce ideas off of um, and just kind of like keep you floating when it felt like you had nothing to give or your brain was just scattered in a million different places. Um, and really kind of embracing the idea that we're going to celebrate the victories, um, in, in that I would, you know, I would celebrate, Hey, we got four pages done this week when beforehand, like when, when I'm good, I can do five pages an hour, you know? Um, so I could sit down for you know, an evening, like I, you know, I remember, you know, before, before the boy, um, you know, Tracy was working retail and there would be these nights where she was closing. Um, so I was like, all right, if I get home, I'm going to throw some food down my throat and I'm going to have the house to myself for four hours. And I could bang out 20 pages in that short span. And so rather than go, Oh, I only got five pages done this week. You know, I could have done 20 or 25. It's like, no, no, no we got five pages done this week. We have moved the ball forward. You know, we are going to celebrate the process, not what could have been. Um, and so that shift in mentality helped a lot. Um, it kept it fun. It kept it moving forward because you're focusing on the positive. You know, it's, we moved it forward. We wrote this scene that we were really looking forward to. Um, and one of the weird things about writing this thing, and it took about five, I, yeah, I think probably about six months. Yeah, we had rewritten it to the point where like, okay, now we're ready to show somebody. Um, and, what, and what was fun is like, you're, you're plotting ahead and you're plotting ahead to the point of like, oh, I can't wait for, in four weeks I get to write this scene. You know, and you kind of keep that carrot in front of you um, to keep going. So it, yeah, a lot, I have learned, I've learned a lot these last two years uh, about creativity and, and me. 
Um, so let, let's talk about what you've been able to accomplish besides a screenplay. That's incredible because when I heard you say 20 pages in a day, uh, my mind just exploded. <laughs> um, it, that would take me a month. Um, uh, so, and I have a lot more time on my hands than other people. I just get tired too quickly. Yep. Um, so I just read through uh Charlie's spot, which uh, I remember the the first Kickstarter for mm-hmm. for the issue, um, and uh, how uh, um, it, it seems like it's been a while, I guess, since the first issue to the final issue, or was it just a matter of um, getting it out there for distribution? Like what? What was the issue, the process? <laughs> um, so it was get, so we had the book we, and signed with, um, signed with comics experience press, um, to when they had a distribution deal with another publisher. And so we were going to put the book out that way. Um, And so I would have to find the emails three or four years ago. This process started with uh, Meredith Laxton, who's the artist and co-creator of it. Um, So we're plugging along going, all right, we're going to do this, you know, this, this comics experience press imprint with this other company. And then as man, I'm trying to remember, is as we were as it was either done or we were about to go over the finish line that partnership changed so now there was a there was a good gap of where we didn't know who or how this book was going to come out and we were near the finish line um and then that took and then covid hit um so that and you know diamond shut down for whatever that was two or three months so there were a lot of question marks and i had this book finished on my laptop um like done 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 all four pages all 80 pages all the extras excuse me done and and there was there were a lot of questions, so I just asked. I had asked. I was like, "Hey, can I run a Kickstarter for the first issue? Um, if anything, to help spread the word, to let people know that this is a thing that's coming." And they were very cool. They gave me, you know, they gave me permission to run the Kickstarter, and so that was maybe January, January of twenty one. Yeah, sorry, got to do mental math. Because, you know, now a year might as well be 10 years. So January 21, they gave me permission. And I believe we were, we had, they had figured out all the distribution. And so we were going to go into stores in July of 21. So it was like, great, we'll run it. We'll get the book out there a few months. You know, we'll run the Kickstarter and have the book out there a few months before we hit the stands and it'll be a nice way to build it up um and then the world and then paper shortages happened um and then uh boats started blocking canals um 
and we got caught up in all of that. So July became October. October became, you know, January, I think. No, you know what? Um, so finally, the, the issue one to retailers came out the week of Christmas. So that, that, whatever that was like December 26th, that's when our first issue came out. Um, so, you know, six months after we thought it was going to come out, it finally came out. Um, and then it was like another six weeks, six or eight weeks before issue two came out. Um, and then, um, and then for, um, Then again, it's and the thing with working with diamonds, like you never know what's going to happen. So all of a sudden, then they're like, all right, the rest of the issues are just every two weeks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, so it was like baby's first double ship month, which, you know, very proud of. Uh, and so we wrapped it up in, in, um, at the end of March. Um, end of March? Yeah. Um, this is the end of March. Um, and it was, you know, it, the, my local store was so wonderful in setting up a signing for me. Um, it's New England Comics. They have like seven stores up in this area. Um, they ordered a bunch of copies for us. Um, uh, Meredith Laxon's store um, down in uh, down in uh, Savannah. Um, Georgia, they, they backed her, I believe it's friendly neighborhood comics, maybe down there. Um, you know, so we got like some really nice support from there. Um, but it's still like, we're, we're a, a baby book with a baby publisher, you know, scrapping and clawing for, uh, anybody to check it out, which I, you know, really hope so. Cause I'm so insanely proud of this book. Um, I mean, it's easy to talk about everybody else but me, you know, um, well, you know, Catholic guilt and imposter syndrome <laughs> and all that fun stuff. Um, but I mean, at a bare minimum, the art from Meredith Laxton is gorgeous. Um, she brought so much wonderfulness to this story. Um, it's, it's, a, it's the kind of story that I really like in comics where, it's you know big kind of like over the top comic booky, taking advantage of the visual medium that it is. So it's you know big comic book stuff, but then like you'll turn the page and they'll hit you with the most honest, heartfelt gut punch you've ever felt. Um, some like recently, Middle West from Scotty Young uh, did that for me. Um, a lot of Terry Moore stuff. Um, whether it's strangers in paradise or moto girl, that type of thing, um, does that where like, you're like, this is a, this is a batshit insane comic book. And then you turn the page and you're like, Ooh, that's give me a second. I need, I need a second to recover from this. And that's what we tried to do. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a story about, uh, a homeless veteran who loses the most important thing to him, his busking spot. Um, turns out it's the most perfect busking spot in the city park, uh, and someone has stolen it from him and he has to go on this increasingly bizarre adventure around the city and the evil suburbs to figure out who stole his spot, 
how how he and how he can get it back. And along the way, it it I also kind of reference Big Lebowski, where on the surface, Big Lebowski is a simple story. It's a man who wants to get his rug back, but every time he moves forward, the story just gets more and more ridiculous. Um, and so I wanted to play with play with that. Um, and Meredith nailed the comedic beats and and the facial expressions and the acting and the directing and all of that. She nailed it. And then you'll turn the page and she will in the best way possible, squish your heart. Yeah. It, uh, it really, um, that was perfectly said. Uh, you know, well, first of all, and credit to you for probably the best page one I've ever read. Thank you. It, if if page one doesn't hook you, uh, then I don't know what to say. But, uh, you know, to, to anybody out there, because I was just like, I, I literally had one of those, holy shit, I'm never going to be this good. And I and then I had that, I wonder how many revisions it took for him to do this. And if you say nothing, that's what I always planned, then it's just like, oh, damn it. But uh, but I'm curious. I'm curious about this page one. I I have lived with this for so long. Um, it's all a bit of a blur. I do know I wanted a page one that that hit. Um, and the other thing about this this book is that we have a very kind of like stoic main character. You know, Charlie being a homeless veteran is never going to be the butt of our jokes because that's not cool. So if you can't have a main character like that, you surround him with a menagerie of ridiculous characters. So they can bring, so they can bring that comedy and that energy and we never punch down on our main character. Um, So, you know, I knew we had this ridiculous cast of characters um, that Meredith just again took the ridiculousness and perfectly, like, found that perfect line of it's ridiculous, but it's still real. It's real enough, and it's comic booky enough um, that it's just a wonderful, a wonderful blend. Um, and so I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted the first panel as much as I could to kind of be the statement of the book. Um, and it's the, the line is, these are my people. And I'm pretty sure what we have on the book is it's a clown and somebody in like a big, like mascot bear suit, mm-hmm. like, you know, having some sort of interaction with each other. Um, and the first page just kind of goes around this and it's also in a boardroom, like in a big Yes, like how on earth did they get here? Right, right. Um, And as we kind of go around this boardroom and show this boardroom, you've got, you know, again, these are all the people from the city park who are there, who are busking, who are doing performances to, you know, to to get money from the people in the park. So you've got clowns, you've got jugglers, you've got um, uh, improv people, you've got dancers, um, you know, just all of these wacky characters um and at the center of it is this very kind of like you know this this stoic homeless veteran um and so you know i wanted to kind of set that up 
Um, and it also, you know, the big, so I've been talking about what the book is, what the book really is about is that feeling that we all have from time to time that, um, nobody kind of really cares about us and that maybe there's a little something too broken in us to be worthy of friendship or, or love or support. Um, and that's just a dumb story our brains tell us because our brains are super dumb um but if you just kind of like take a breath and turn around you'll see how many people have your back um so that's the actual emotional part of the story and it's wrapped around you know a clown and a bear having a slap fight in the middle of the park mm-hmm. you know because they're all yeah. fighting over this one this this three by three section of of asphalt it's the prime real estate yeah, yeah. and um and, and like you said the there's comic relief because it's a very serious main plot line but the the creativity of how charlie and the rest of the performers end up needing to secure their spots mm-hmm. I would never have thought of that and I don't want to spoil it, but it's so um, interesting. It's, uh, you know, it's like almost, almost like you would expect Lex Luthor (laughs) um, to come up with this kind of idea and, and take advantage of it. And, And again, you're finding out, it's like, Oh, you meet a character and then you figure out, Oh, is this, what are their intentions? Are their intentions good or, yeah. or is it just all selfish and, and what's going on? Um, and, you know, and at the same time, and we, we you know, when we're referring to Charlie as a homeless veteran and um, he actually has a, a, an apartment. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's not home. Right. That's, that's a, actually a great way to say it. Um, yeah. So like, a lot of it came from, you know, the, you, we we won't spoil, spoil it, but you kind of figure out that this park, there's something below the surface that makes this park not exactly what you think it is. Mm-hmm. And the seeds of the story started maybe seven years ago. Um, I took the train into Boston to to work for a decade. Uh, same route for 10 years. Um, and what I noticed was it was the same, whether they're homeless or what, the same people kind of panhandling in the same spots, winter, spring, summer, fall. Um, and at some point you're like, well, how, how do they figure that out? Like it's, there has to be some code. There has to be some rule. With you know the people who are out here, who this this is how they are helping get through whatever they're getting through. There has to be some rule that no 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 that's Charlie's spot, and no you know and it's it's his it's hers it's theirs whatever. Um, and you know as I'm running this through my head, I kind of have that uh, that epiphany of these people are in this area of town all day, every day. I'm, I'm the tourist. I come in and I leave. 
and I spend two thirds of my time not here. There is so much more going on in this area than I will ever know. Um, and so when I was kind of talking to Meredith about that part of the park and that part of the inspiration, she really leaned in and opened up to my head of like, well, if it's mis if it's mysterious and you know, magical, let's make it actually mysterious and actually magical. Um, which was, which was great. It got me out of my comfort zone and pushed me to be more, uh, imaginative truly. Um, because at that point, like I was also able to see what she could draw and what she could do. And it was like, it was limitless. Um, so that, that's kind of the stuff that, you know, I will thank Meredith until the day I die. Um, because she's such, she was the perfect partner the creative co-creator to work with that i mean she yes ended with the best of them you know she took the, yes. the core of the yeah. the core of the ideas and just found ways to elevate them um which again is is all i want you know um my 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 day job is an advertising copywriter um and i i i'm the type of person that doesn't care where the good line comes from like i know my job is to write you know the headlines and the copy and all of that but we're all trying to solve the same problem um so i don't care where the good headline comes from it, you know whether it's you know the art director i'm working with the marketing person or whoever so you know i just want good ideas because good ideas make good things so you know meredith coming in with these killer ideas um you know again take understanding the heart of the idea understanding where i'm where i kind of see it going and finding completely unique ways to get there that like i said elevates it but also lets her be creative lets her storytelling come through because she's she is a writer and a storyteller on her own um and you know and in the grand scheme i'd like I'd like to think, I hope that then what that means is everybody's a little more invested in it. You know, um, I, I, you, you've been to enough bar cons, um, that you, I've heard other writers talk about the artists they're working with. And I just walk away going like, you just want a monkey with a pencil, you know, and I'm looking for people to inspire me. You know, um, if, if anybody checks out Charlie spot and if, you know, you check out Charlie spot, um, the ending of the book wasn't the ending that I wrote, you know, the end, my actual ending probably ends about three or four pages before it does in the book. Meredith read the script is like, actually, we need to do this. And when she said, I was like, oh my God, you're right. We need to do this. Um, and you know, without her input, um, and without listening to her and being open to this, to the suggestion, um, you know, the, the book would have been nice. It would have been, you know, maybe would have been a little, you know, oh, that was a really sweet book. A sweet moment. Yeah. Right. But by, her, by, you know, working with people, working with experts and then listening to them, this book gets to hit harder. It gets to end bigger. Um, I think 
the characters get a bigger payoff, which means the reader gets a bigger payoff, um, which just elevates the whole thing. Um, and I mean, if there's one thing that I'm really glad I have figured out and kind of wish I had figured out 30 years ago when I first started making music and doing this creative journey, the key to making great art is bringing in experts, showing them the target you want to hit, and then getting out of their way. Um, because it, you know, when you find the right people, everything gets better. You know, it's still your, it'll still be your idea. It'll still be your baby, but when you let experts bring their themselves, their background, their expertise, their lives into it, it becomes something bigger and better. Um, and you know, and I don't want to leave out um, Ellie Pepitone, who did yeah, the I was going to get there. This, who, yeah, the, I mean, I I don't I I am a writer. So I, I know what I don't know about art. Um, and even if I can't express it, there, there are, there's a certain color palette in comics that I enjoy. I couldn't tell you what it is, um, but I just know it. I know it when I see it. Um, and Allie's work nailed it. Right, because there's there are so many different ways that things could go. Like, um, it could be very deeply uh, dark and noir, Mm -hmm. and yet the the comedy would be more like uh, like death to smoochie. Um, or it could have been really saturated and bright, like Jen Bartel's work. You know, I love, uh, I love her work. Um, but this was this soft, Yeah, that's the best way I could think of it was, it was like, uh, when you go to the, like the baby section of a store (laughs) and all the clothes are just soft and squishy and comfortable, there's um the color style is is like that like even even the nighttime scenes are not these deep dark scary things and um so i didn't know if that was if there were cues from meredith to the colorist in the script or if that was something you discussed with ali or if it was just like here you can work your magic you know, I got to give Meredith and Allie, like, all the credit. If people dig the colors on that, it's 100% them. I know they worked, um, I know they worked a lot together. Um, and, you know, it, yeah, I just handed it over to them. You know, especially early on, like, you get the first pages back. And you're like, oh, you know, you absolutely, not only do you know what you're doing, like, you're nailing it. And again, that just goes back to my philosophy of if I don't need to get in the way, I'm not, I'm just going to, I'll just become the biggest cheerleader. You know, I'll mm-hmm. just keep pulling out my pom-poms um, and telling you, you know, that it, that it looks great. Um, you know, and if something jumps up, I'll point, you know, I'll, I'll say so. Um, but yeah, I'm in general, I'm not a micromanager. Um, I know in my work, yeah, you know, I know as a worker, I don't want to be micromanaged. Um, you know, I want to be trusted and I want to be able to do my thing. 
a little, you know, on on my way, which is probably the twelve year old punk that'll never die, no matter how gray the hair gets, there'll still be that kid in me. Um, you know, it's like, give me a deadline, tell me what I need to do, I will get it done by the deadline. Don't tell me how to get it done by the deadline. And so, you know, you know, in these projects, like, you know, I'm not the boss, but I'm kind of the boss. I'm going to treat people the way I want to be treated, which is I'm going to trust you and respect you until you give me a reason not to trust you or respect you. Um, and then I'm going to get out of your way. And then you get awesome stuff like what Allie and Meredith did. Um, and then the other great thing about Allie is like the way that she chose that color palette that you so beautifully explain so much better than I would have there are moments like especially when we unleash the magic of the park like there are there were literal pages I would turn and I would feel like someone had just hit me with a spotlight like I'm like I don't know how this flat page just blinded me like a flashlight but it did I'm always Um, amazed at that too when like shine comes through I'm like how did you just do that yeah and so you know by by saving those moments for when they're needed or earned they mean more you know um and then and and then the other really nice thing about Allie that i always want to give her credit for is we had been working on this book like maybe we were finished the second issue maybe we were into the third issue so we knew the finish line for the art was on the horizon so it's like all right let's bring the colorist in so they can start building it up so you know two and a half pages into a project that it is what it is. Life is what it is. Um, You just, you know, a bit of the enthusiasm starts to wane. It becomes more work than passion. Um, She brought such a wonderful energy and just, she was psyched to be on it. She was really excited to be working with us. Um, She was, she was like thanking me for bringing her on board, which I still feels like weird. Like, (laughs) no, don't thank me. You're, you're crushing it. Like, you know, you're, it's almost like, no, 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 you're doing me the favor. Mm. Um, and so that, that injection of positivity and enthusiasm and energy really helped us. And I know it helped me get the energy to, to get it over the finish line. And I will, you know, the art is wonderful, but the emotion she brought to it, I will, I can never thank her enough for that. Um, and then and we then, have, um, we have Taylor. We, Esposito. Yeah. So I was originally going to letter it um, partially out of budget and partially, I mean, I think the reason I still create things now is I'm still curious and I still like to learn things. So I lettered, all of my graphic novels and stuff up to this point, you know, so three or four books up to this point. So I was going to letter it. And then I started seeing what Meredith was doing. And then I started seeing what Allie was doing. And I was also working with an editor as well, because I wanted the writing to be as good as it could be. And I watched everybody just elevate this book. And I was like, I know, I know the tippity top of my lettering skills. And my lettering would have been fine. You wouldn't have put the book down because of my lettering. You wouldn't have gotten lost. You know, it would have been fine. 
but I was like, I can't do that. I can't have everybody kicking ass and taking names get to the 10 yard line and go, this was close enough. <laughs> like I just couldn't. So you found, you know, one, one of the best people and uh, you know, I, he probably doesn't get enough accolades, but uh, Taylor Esposito is from ghost glyph studios. Yep. And um, yeah, one of the best, he's been on the show too. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, most professional type of person that you, you want around. And that that was that was the 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 part that put him over the top for me. Um, when I when I knew I was going to look for somebody, um, and I've got a good friend Aubrey Sitterson who has done a bunch of work with um, Taylor, and he had nothing but great things to say about working with Taylor. And this is you know dark horse stuff uh, that that he and Aubrey were working on. And so I was like, all right. And and also like and I say this as a positive, um, you know, t- Taylor is on the higher end of letters. Um, so as I'm running through my head of like, all right, I so yeah, I I've seen Taylor's work. I've bought Taylor's work. Taylor's work is in my house, you know, even before I reached out to him. So I know he does good work. Um, I've got somebody who I trust saying Taylor's the absolute best. I was at a convention and I'm walking, you know, when I can, I walk up and down all of the artist alley, all of the creators, um, because I'm always on the lookout for either supporting new talent or, um, you know, selfishly looking for new artist colors, letters to work with. Poaching. No, <laughs> yeah. not, not, no. Um, no, not ki- I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, um, and I'm walking down and there's just another guy, you know, with his one or two books on the table. And I, you know, just a pure DIY, just like me. You know, his books are in his basement. Um, and Taylor did the lettering for it. And I'm flipping through it. And it's the same quality of lettering that I had seen in all of these Dark Horse books that he had done. And so I asked him, I was like, what was it like working with Taylor? And he had the exact same story that Aubrey did. You know, professional, on time, easy to work with, knows his stuff, all of that. And that's really what locked it in, is that this guy who is, you know, like I said, is working, he, he's worked it, he's worked everywhere at this point. DC, Image, Dark Horse, you know, all of them, IDW. So if this guy is putting the same effort into the person ordering 50 copies of their floppy as he is for dark horse. That's the guy I want to work with. Cause yeah, at this point elevation, I probably said it 98 times already. That is the word that kept going through my head. Somebody who can elevate the book. And that's what Taylor does. And that's what Taylor does probably without thinking about it. Right. He's lettered so many books. He's done so much stuff. He has forgotten more about lettering than I will ever learn. He will see opportunities. Mm-hmm. He will take ideas and make them better. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, in, in taking a baseball term, he's a closer. You know, you want, you want to make sure you win the game, you bring in the closer. And that's exactly what he did. Um, and, you know, and at the end, I can honestly say, this book is as good as we could have made it. 
whatever the bar is for this book, we hit it. Um, you know, like I said, getting my scripts beaten up by people I trust, Meredith bringing her, not only her talents, but her passion for it. Um, you know, Allie's colors and Taylor's letters and all of that. This is as good a book as we could have produced at the time. Um, and I am beyond thrilled that after a very long, curious journey, um, that they're, that it's out right now. That's awesome. So you guys can go pick up Charlie's spot in a variety of places because Uh, especially in local shops, like you said, up in the, uh, well, is it just Massachusetts? Or, no, it, no, no. It, you know, we're we're worldwide. Um, or well, least, I mean, you know, in you, the country. You, but yeah. the the thing is, then the truth of the matter is, um, you know, we Taylor has the most credits out of all of us. Um, so we are a relatively unknown creative team with a new publisher out there. So while it did go into stores, it might be hard to find. Um, so. If your local store doesn't have it, um, you can go to my site. So again, it's homelesscomics.com. And you can follow the links to my store there. I've put a whole bunch of different bundles up there. Um, You know, now that all four issues are out, um, you know, you can order the entire set and save on shipping and all that stuff. Um, you can also download a free preview of the book. Uh, we put a digital ash can together. You can check it out. You can check out, like, I think it's the first seven pages of the book. Um, and I'd like to think by page seven, you'll know whether or not it, the, it's a thing for you. You'll know, you'll, you'll see the art. Um, you'll see, you know, Taylor and Allie and Meredith's work. You'll see the vibe we're going for. Um, and that balancing act between, honesty and fun that we're going for um so i please go ahead and check it out and if you dig it go to this go to our store um and i will send you autographed copies of the book straight from my basement uh the reason it's called homeless comics is because all this stuff lives in my basement and they need good homes and bookshelves and nightstands to go to um you can also go to the publisher, C-E-X Publishing, all one word, C-E-X Publishing. Um, and you can order it from them. And that's also how you can order digital copies. If uh, that's your thing, um, you can go ahead, download it right off, you know, right to your Kindle um, and read it right there. That's fantastic. Um, so we have really run the gamut of <laughs> of chatter, which I love because it was seamless. Do you have to run? Um, soon-ish. Okay. But I want to give you, because as you said, it has been forever since even virtually we have seen each other's face. I know. I know. I, I also, I thought that we could do, do you have pandemic hair? I was wondering <laughs> if we could do a, do a pandemic hair um, screenshot here. I mean, it's my hair really hasn't changed yeah. in probably close to 20 years, for better or for worse. It's just gotten grayer, you know, because again, Irish. Um, you know, it's, the genetics are what they are, but at least I still have it. 
You do. Uh, yeah. You do. Oh yeah. Um, uh, you know, and I, right, so... I... <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's, we're lucky. You know, so the so the you know the the heavy metal fool gets to still throw his hair around you and do. get everybody it's good. Not just like it's not all bald and then like I have something to whip around. <laughs> no, we give we give good hair choreography, hairography good. at our show. So so you got questions for me? Um you know what? Yeah, I do. So um especially during the pandemic, uh, I downloaded Headspace and have dabbled in in meditation. Um, because I hear a lot of people talk about um, the benefits of it, uh, and those benefits sound wonderful. Um, you know, my big thing right now is I would really like to be able to just kind of like sleep through the night, flat, you know, straight out. Um, and then also, you know, uh, mental chatter. You know, there's there's always right. something going on. Um, so I have tried. And, you know, it's kind of like the thing of like, I don't know if I'm doing it right. Um, so I just kind of wanted to you know, hear, you know, it's somebody like who, I mean, it's part of your day. It's a, it's part of your, your right. routine. Um, and I just kind of wanted to hear about, I guess, a little bit about your journey, but then I'm sure you've also talked to other people who have, have started and maybe like me have like, I have started, I've started multiple times. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know. You know, it's not like going to the gym where at some point it's like, Ooh, I can add five more pounds onto this thing. Mm. You know, like, I don't know how to get better at being quiet. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I just wanted to, you know, like I said, your, your, your thoughts and any suggestions you have for me, cause I'm sure anybody else listening to this might, you know, benefit from knowing how to you know kind of like calm their brain a little bit well i've done um the same thing where you know start and stop and start and stop and and know like just just have that knowledge that yes i know this is good for me um but then stop for whatever reasons and um there, first of all, um, for those people who don't know, I'm a yoga teacher, but um, there are many different types of meditation. And I think a lot of times when people give up, it's because they haven't found the right mm. thing that works for them. If you're a newcomer, I would never suggest going to um, what's called a Zendo, which is like a Zen dojo. Um, you where you sit in uh, on a special hard stool with your knees under you and stay there for eight hours mm. while you're crying through the pain. I, uh, that's a specific type of practice mm -hmm. and I don't recommend that um, unless you plan on following that very strict discipline path um, of Zen Buddhism, because there's other kinds of Buddhism. Mm. So um, I love guided imagery and mm. that's something that I, I did, um, uh, for, you know, buying, buying CDs, buying cassettes, you know, I would get and, and 
and work on listening to those to the point where I could even recite them and it didn't matter. I just, uh, you know, there's, there's power to words. Um, And it's, so that version works for me. Um, I also like music. So um, some people can meditate to stuff like heavy metal. There's, (laughs) I've, I've heard that there are heavy metal yoga classes. I don't know how they do it. I listen to, you know, stuff that's like, you know, flutes and streams and, um, you know, soft drum beats and, (laughs) you know, like that's, you know, that's as, as, uh, as loud as my stuff gets, <laughs> at least in the studio space. But usually uh, it's, it's very ambient. Yeah. And so a cool thing about the apps, I don't, I don't know if I try, I did try Headspace. I think I checked them all out. Um, there's Headspace, there's Calm, there's Insight Timer. Mm-hmm. I have, I have stuff published on Insight Timer. Oh, okay. And um, because one of the parts of my tradition is getting the brainwaves into an alpha state. Um, if you, you know, if you know about like theta state is like deep sleep and, and stuff like that. So you, the brainwaves are at, have, we're at different places at different times of our day cycle. So, um, I like to get people into this alpha state and that can take five minutes or, or so. And so a lot of people, if they, you know, if they're listening to my stuff and it's not for them and some people have commented like, like uh, you didn't even get to the meditation until the end. And it's like, well, because you need to get there. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I don't think everybody is instantly going to just say, okay, start my timer there right you know like you know, like i'm ready um I, I i think you need some prep work especially if you've got a lot on your mind or if you've had a busy day i think that the countdown that i do is somewhat necessary um maybe maybe people just don't understand why it's happening but I, I try to explain it, at least in the descriptions, um, the ones that have this particular countdown. It's, you know, the purpose of it is to get you into an alpha brainwave state. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, the meditations that I do every day, there's a group of us, my, my friends and peers. Um, it's Bill Amos and Julie Trilling, and they do a daily Monday through Friday Zoom meetup with a meditation practice, and we do mudras. So a mudra is a gesture, and for us, for the sake of it being on Zoom, we're just doing hand gestures. Um, and it's about 15 minutes usually. I mean, five minutes for us to chit-chat. Right. And then... Um, you know, just kind of things. Cause we get to, there's, there's like five of us regularly. So we kind of get to know each other's business and we you know <laughs> check in on each other. Um, but sometimes we've had more people and it's, and it's interesting because I mean, you know, they're working, um, Bill and Julie do this essentially for tips. You know, yeah. it's, if you can't pay $40 a month and don't, you know, pay, pay whatever you can. And um, so we do these, 
mudras and each mudra has a purpose Mm -hmm. as well. So there's a theme to it each time. And if you're looking to do grounding and centering, then we'll, Mm. you know, we'll tap into the earth elements. If you're looking for creativity, we'll work on something from an air element. And, and these gestures are, are things that you see everywhere. Like um, it's not just Hinduism. It's not just Buddhism. It's, uh, you know, every statue of Jesus, he's got his hands a certain way for a certain reason. And you, and then there are practices that have hand movements and they probably don't even call them gestures um, or mudras. Like in Qigong and Tai Chi, uh, you start moving this hand this way and then you make an L shape with your fingers. And um, so martial arts does all of that too, because there are just effective reasons for it and, and benefits. Um so if ever you know if people are wondering oh i've you know i've heard of meditation trust me there are tons of studies tons of studies yeah. i mean um it's scientifically backed uh john cabot zinn is you know w- western world american scientist and he's done the groundbreaking work of of proving to secular people the benefits, uh, yeah. you know, uh, of this. And he's up in the, in Massachusetts and started, you know, the center for mindfulness up there. Um, so there are other things and he lets you know that there are other ways to meditate. Like you could, you could walk, you could, if you're, <laughs> if you're sitting there and you're actually like tapping on a drum and that's your focus, that's a different kind of meditation. I mean, concentration is uh, is one of yoga's definitions of meditation Mm. um so uh, it doesn't have to be something auditory it doesn't have to be something visual it doesn't have to be clear your mind because like Mm. literally i doubt unless you are a monk on a mountain i (laughs) doubt you're clearing your mind ever we have thoughts. We're human beings. Yeah. So uh, I think it's it's important to know that there are all of these other options and styles of meditating uh, that can work. Uh, you know, I I often close my eyes, but sometimes I like to actually I, I like to stare at the timer running through its numbers. It just gives me something to look at, hmm. and. Like I don't, I I can't even explain it. That it's um. It, it, do, you, do you remember like um, I'm sure it's still done, but like the very vaudeville type of hypnosis yeah. and you know staring at the spinning yep. that spinning spiral thing, or a swinging pocket watch. Um, <laughs> If you watch The Mentalist, I'm a huge fan of The Mentalist. You know, uh, he, you know, he, he could do things like f- just shine the quarter this way and that way, and as the light reflects, you suddenly you're you're in a meditative state. Um, so if you're a visual person, there there are visual ways to do it, and if you're not, there are other ways. Like you know, maybe if you if you know, like the olfactory sense is one of the, like 
actually the most powerful yeah. of our senses. So aromatherapy can be tricky mm. because you could accidentally trigger memories that you don't want to come up at the wrong time. I think it's good when shit comes up and you work on it. Yeah. I think that's part of your, you know, everybody's process, but, um, because ignoring something is not the same as healing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But, uh, but aromatherapy just, you know, comes with more caution, I would say. <laughs> I like, have so much know. lavender next to my bed. Seriously. So much la lavender I, mean, spread. I, I have students who hate lavender. So <laughs> I, I either, you know, I make sure I ask no matter what before I, I crack open a bottle. Um, <laughs> but I, but I'll be like, is everybody okay with frankincense today? You know? <laughs> like, well, no, I mean, beyond like, you know, the, whatever the calmingness of lavender is, I actually do yes. have a very wonderful uh, memory tied to lavender. So luckily, and that's you great. Know, yeah. yeah. Like say you had an abusive grandmother who used lavender <laughs> no. soap all the time. The last thing you'd want is to smell lavender. No, um, no I'll, I'll tell you the, the goofy sweetness of it. Uh, lav the place probably where I realized I was going deeper with Tracy, like emotionally. Uh, we were at her parents' house in Florida, which was covered just lavender everywhere outside. So this trip is, like I said, is tied with me falling deeper in love with her. And, That's you know, sweet. For, and for a week, every time we went into their house, lavender. So... So, and on top of that, in theory, it's supposed to help me fall asleep. So yeah, I have lavender yes. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> lavender, chamomile. Mm. Um, I need medication to sleep because I just have terrifying nightmares if I don't. Oh. Um, yeah. And, and that's with a daily meditation practice. <laughs> um, yeah. The, uh, yeah. So we do meet at eight, eight o'clock every morning online. Um, Monday through Friday. So um, with Insight Timer, you can also log other forms of, of your practice. You can log yoga, you can log um, walking. Uh, let me see, what are the oh, other I options? I cannot wait for the weather to turn so I can yeah. get back out. I apologize for the garbage truck going by. Um, I, I'm yeah. proud to let you know I can't hear it. Okay, good. Yeah, so there's meditation, yoga, tai chi, walking, breathing, chanting, prayer, and healing, which could mm. be, you know, a number of things. Um, so it gives a variety of options. Breathing is generally part of a yogic meditation anyway. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, to me, walking the cat outside, that's what I log in for my weekends um, mm. my weekend meditations because it counts. I mean, even though I walk him, you know, whenever possible, yeah. it's, um, it's our time alone. I don't look at my phone when I'm out there. I have my camera and, and, and that's it. It's all about, you know, what are we doing? What can, how can I creatively turn this into a story yeah. or, you know, is Gus having fun? Is he safe? <laughs> you know, it's, and looking, looking through the cat's perspective at the world 
to me is a lot of people do that with kids. They're like, oh, you know, look at the world like through a kid's eyes. Looking at the world through my cat's perspective, it's such a different experience. It's like, it's like, wow, he's, you know, we could be on one side and he'll go barrel into, you know, into a sprint because his vision and (laughs) and senses are so much better. He's just like, I know there's something under this ivy. And then we stand there and we stare you know so it's like we'll just stare together like oh is that leaf gonna move i think that leaf's gonna move and it's you know and that's that's part of being in that living in the moment yeah space so um so if you're wondering if you're doing it right um if you're doing it at all then yes (laughs) thanks yeah but yeah Um, it's like i said it beyond yeah, there, I, there's enough scientific and just you know anecdotal listening to people who I like and admire, and they're like, "This is where I was before I started meditating." I'm like, "That's where I am," and they're like, "And I feel better because of it." I'm like, "I want to be like you." <laughs> but yeah, I think probably the key is like making it part of your ritual, making it part of your 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 day. It's not something you're yeah. trying to fit in when you can. It is like no, from X to X this is when I'm doing it, right? Yeah. Because then, then that becomes a habit and then that becomes who you are. Exactly. And um, and there are some progressive, and I, I have to use the term lightly, yeah. progressive companies where, yes, even though they're run by millionaires and billionaires and stuff, um, where the CEOs or the higher highest level executives get, that you know they'll get retreats and you know they'll have experts like Brene Brown come in and give them a lecture (laughs) it's just as important for your guy and gal on the floor Mm -hmm. of the warehouse to get those lectures and those experiences and I you know and I don't see people saying like hey let's send the you know call center on a retreat for a week and lord knows they probably need it yeah I mean (laughs) it's it's good for everybody um and unfortunately it's still uh, there are still classes barriers when it comes to health obviously um you know but if you're doing this and a lot of these apps are free or they're like free plus premium content Mm -hmm. the other thing is there's so much on youtube like, oh, you know, on, done. you know, the, on the nights where I'm like, oh, great, it's three and I'm up. Like, you know, I'll just find, you know, like you were talking about soundscapes and stuff like that. That's what I do. I yeah. put it on, like, you know, after I'm done, I need to, I need to unwind mentally. And then when I'm done with sitcoms, then I'll <laughs> go to YouTube and I'll find channels. And they, there are channels that have dark screen. So if you just look up, like I put on like black screen in the search. And so it'll, it might have images for 30 minutes and then go black, Yeah. but that's what I put on. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Like I said, it's, it's great. You know, um, and it's good to have, it's good to have the options out there. It is. There's so many, there's yeah. so many, and I can obviously talk about it for hours and hours if you let me. That'll be part two. <laughs> <laughs> we can do part two. We do. And I think it's really important that, you know, as 
I mean, generally the focus of the show is, you know, the creative field, but it's important for, for everybody. So, um, the creators out there, I love when I, when I hear what their wellness routines are, whether it's, uh, you know, whether it's fitness or, you know, some people just like to take a swim every day and it's not really a fitness thing. It's just their, how they get through their day. Um, you know, I, I love to, to hear about that and see what other people are doing. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find mine. Yeah. And probably what it is, is a bit of, uh, impatience, you know, but but you get to unleash the beast with your music as well. Yes. So if you had a difficult week, I am sure that by Saturday night, you can sweat it out Mm -hmm. in a safe environment. First of all, which is key. Um, you know, it's, just there there are things that i may not even like agree with a lot of people smoke pot and whatever it's like i don't i think it stinks (laughs) (laughs) i don't want to be near it because it stinks and i don't want it in my hair and on my clothes let's just like a cigarette um uh, but whatever if you know if it works for you great jessamine stanley is like a very famous and fat and and queer black yogi and she now that it's legal um mind you she's always talked about it but now that it's legal she's like really talking about her her smoking and yoga practice Mm -hmm. um so if if people are into that and they think they need that it's like check check out jessamine and just check out jessamine anyway because she's inspiring and fun and she says fuck and i love yogis that are willing to do that exactly it's like yeah get your you know you've got your your beautiful fat body and you're just in underwear and you know but she's got like all these endorsements now so now she's got like fancy underwear (laughs) good for her seriously good for her um well thank you i appreciate it yeah so playing with the dog is mindfulness and and that counts too yeah um staring into his big brown eyes yeah so cute (laughs) well it thank you so so very much for for everything i mean this is like talking with some some other people from our from when we met and you're like, we're going on like 12 or 13 years at this point, you know, um, and your support and friendship, um, has been awesome. Like the, the specialness that it can be years between actually truly getting to check in, whether it's, you know, whether it's over zoom or it's in face to face, the fact that that you know it might be years but it really is truly like we're just picking up where we last were um that's that shit is special like to to be slightly over dramatic for a moment that's special um and so you you being there uh it's i i'm so aware of it and i'm so thankful and appreciative of it and i you know i'm really glad the fates did whatever they did that you know we're in each other's circles and every now and then you know we get to hug 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, and I've said it on on Twitter and uh, and elsewhere. It's like chosen family yeah. is super important to me. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I, I think that it's a blessing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So thank you. For, thank you for the invite here. Um, and You're man, welcome. I cannot wait for uh, the world to be able to put us in the same place at the same time. Can't yes. wait. Yes. Let's hope that happens um, sometime soon. Oh, look who's up from his nap. <laughs> oh, my boy. My, my boy. All right. How I, oh, there's Henry. Oh, he's, Henry's still chill. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's up, but he's totally like just... He found the pillow in the perfect spot and is taking advantage Seriously. of it. Seriously, oh, he's the best. He look, he looks so comfortable. Rough life. I he is he, he is so pampered because I want him to be pampered. Yes. Like yeah. I, I will leave it with this. This is my true thought that goes through my head recently. I know I can anecdotally understand Henry. Henry likes us. He loves us. He's happy to be here. I wish he could talk just to confirm it. I really want to make sure he is happy because his happiness is very important to me and I very much want him to be happy. I just want to yes. know for sure. But I'm going to assume the fact that he will just keep coming over and just like flopping on me and falling asleep on me. He's like, I think he feels safe. <laughs> for sure. For He's sure. And while we're talking of, of cuddly animals and things, um, my friend Sarah Donner, who's a musician and brilliant artist as well, her paintings and murals are in these amazing places like um, uh, Sea Marine Life. Um, mm. What are they called? Like aquarium places, but they have uh, rescues and stuff. Oh. She she even volunteers to like save sea lions. It's, it's amazing. But she started, um, she's always done kitten rescue with her partner, Michael. And so now that they are up in New Bedford, Massachusetts, mm. they've gotten through all the paperwork necessary to be, um, instead of working for another rescue, they are now their own rescue Moby kit. That's awesome. Um, I think Moby must have been the first kitten or something that they rescued, but Moby kit rescue, um, go check them out and donate. And if you, uh, you know, sponsor her Patreon, all the money from, from that goes to helping oh, kittens cool. too. So awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's keep spreading more positivity for everybody. Yes. Big fan, big, big fan. It is. It is. All right, George. Um, everybody check out Homeless Comics. Check out Charlie's Spot wherever yeah. you can find it. Um, and uh, you're at Lazy Horde, like you said, on Twitter. Yeah. I'm at Elizabeth Amber on Twitter to confuse people. Um, and AmberOnMass.com, uh, where you, of course, can catch up on all of the Gus and Oliver stories as well. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thank you again, George. Oh, thank you.